0: the markets. We just can't get enough of them.
1: Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy.
0: Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost.
1: I am Mohamed Nalla of MoKnows.com.
0: Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor.
1: Welcome to Magic Markets. There's a way to make
0: money from crypto without actually believing in crypto. Bitcoin pricing differences offshore and in South Africa create an arbitrage opportunity. This episode is brought to you by Future Forex, specialists in helping South Africans take advantage of that arbitrage and introduce alpha trading profits into their portfolios. Visit futureforex.co.za and listen to episode 21 of Magic Markets, where we interviewed the founders to find out more. As ever, do your own research and come to your own conclusion. Welcome to episode 23 of Magic Markets and a really, really interesting show lined up this week. It's a very international show. We've uh, got Mohammed Nala, com sitting in Canada. You've got me, the finance ghost, sitting in Cape Town. And we have special guest Tobias, or Toby, which is a little bit easier for us with uh, English tons. And he is sitting all the way in Copenhagen in Denmark, which is very exciting. Mo, Toby, welcome to the show. So Toby, we connected on Twitter. It just shows how wonderful social media actually is right. I mean I think at one point you sent me a message or we were chatting and you said you were walking the streets of Copenhagen listening to magic markets which for me is just a very a very special thing to be honest from start to finish. The first thing I'm going to ask you is how do you say magic markets in Danish?
2: So magic markets in Danish would be something like magiske Markter. And I'm not sure you should try to reset that right now but you can maybe uh, at the end of the episode, give it a shot if you like.
0: Yeah, that, that won't be the easiest uh, The easiest term that we've used on
2: magic markets, Mo. So <laughs> it's,
1: it's I, quite I'm a tough one. I'm definitely not going to try that, first, not for me. <laughs> yeah, tap out. Tap but out it is an
2: international it. podcast, so maybe we should give it a shot, right? Yeah.
0: Maggie Skimagala. How was that? That's, that's perfect. <laughs> there we go. Can I can now speak Danish. It's wonderful. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> Toby, thank you for joining us. And the reason we've asked you to join the show is because when South Africans specifically, and that's, you know, for Mo and I, our home country, and we know we have listeners all all over the world at the moment, actually, which is amazing, but we kind of still do this, uh, you know, knowing full well where our roots are. And South Africans, when they think offshore, it's all about buying tech stocks on the NASDAQ or, you know, Berkshire Hathaway or New York Stock Exchange kind of stuff. It's very much American. That's what they think of when they think offshore. And you are a really keen student of European markets, which is just a fantastic angle to bring to this. And the show tonight is, is really to just give South Africans, just give anyone really who's listening, a nice lay of the land of European markets, the different exchanges, some of the interesting companies that are listed there. I mean, Mo, have you got anything European in your portfolio before we, before we start to tap into Toby's knowledge?
1: Yeah, I think so, Ghost. I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of stocks there. One which which Toby might be aware of is is a stock called Alphen, Alfen, A L F E N, and it's also, I guess, little known because you know it's not stuff that hits the headlines down in South Africa. But they operate in Europe and they're involved in running an electricity grid. Uh, so essentially a utility type of company. And it's it's something that I've liked for for quite some time. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, other Swedish uh, Swedish or Nordic uh, companies that, that we know of, uh, Nokia would be one of those that, you know, have been around for for quite some time. Um, but you know by and large I think you're correct you know it does it's not something that gets a lot of attention I think broader Europe if you look at stocks for example like Nestle which is something that you wrote about fairly recently goes you know that's that's something that's stayed in the in the in the portfolio uh, but again I think European stocks tend to be the uh, call it poorer cousin insofar as coverage goes and that may well give rise to some sort of valuation Uh, uh, divergences between us stocks and european stocks which arguably could be uh, fairly compelling for the european side of the equation
0: yep and we're here to talk about european gems one of those gems is toby so we're going to listen to him now toby thank you and uh, why don't you tell us just a quick overview of you know your interest in the markets i think and what sort of sectors do you look to invest in? what do you find interesting about the european markets
2: yeah all right exactly um so when I look at the European market, I actually think that Mo uh, is is writing saying that uh, that we might uh, be seen as a little bit of a slow growth market, and we don't have these sexy stocks like you have Berkshire, uh, like a, a big brand, or you have like uh, Silicon Valley with all the with all the high growth tech stocks and all that. You don't usually see that in the European markets. You see more uh, steady growth, and you see more of the boring companies. But I I usually just say sure, but it's at low risk too because when I look at the European market, I see some um some great qualities actually political uh, politically uh, which is like the GDPR is actually good and it's enforced uh, enforced so that's the general data protection uh, when we look at tech stocks in general both in the US and in Asia I think that. Maybe down the road that there might be a regulatory problem for uh, for for data protection, which is uh, which is not a thing in the EU because we have we have such great uh, regulation around it. Then we have very sound uh, and healthy financial markets that are both highly efficient and less fraudulent, which means we have uh, a lot of great IPO markets as well uh, that are almost working like uh, venture capitalist markets. Um, So I would actually say that some of the slow growth, it uh, actually is is justified with the lower risk too. Um, But when I look at the European market, uh, I I, I would say that there is a no-go and then there is a go. If you just just look into the stocks 500 index, uh, which is is a composite of all the biggest companies in Europe, you'll find a lot of stocks from Spain, Italy, and from Greece, and from France. And these are some of the lower growth uh, and less politically stable countries. I would not look that way. I would just take some of the top uh, top countries and they are of course Germany. Uh, they used to be also uh, the FTSE 100 index uh, which is UK and then the Danish C25 and the Swedish S30 and I would also look to uh, to the Norwegian OMX Oslo 30 uh, because then you actually get the real engine uh, of, of the European market and when you look at the um, market capitalization of the European index, actually, uh, you take the Nordic and the Baltic area, it, it's uh, as big as the FTSE and it's as big as uh, the whole index of Germany. So I think when, when, when we look at the Nordic and the Baltic area, we, we tend to forget that all these small countries are actually, uh, in terms of their stock market index, they're actually rather big, with um, low risk as well. So that's why I, I love to look into these.
0: Sounds like if the weather's hot, the market isn't. So you need to buy into the cold European countries because that's where the markets are hot, eh? And avoid the Mediterranean. If it borders the Mediterranean, <laughs> absolutely. You be worried.
2: There is a weather bias there. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Absolutely. A weather index. There we go, mate. You can maybe trade that.
2: Just to give you a little bit uh, of perspective on how to actually buy these things, I I, I picked out uh, some brokers uh, that are very popular here, uh, and one of them I think you already know. It's Etoro which is an international broker. And then you have Nordnet, which is just like North, but with a B called N-O-R-D-N-E-T, Nordnet. And then you have Freedom Finance and you have Hero, And all these platforms are very accessible uh, for the everyday uh, stock investor. And I think they all provide like two, 3000 uh, different stocks in the European markets if you're, if you're willing to go down that uh, path to get some of the exposure.
1: I think, you know, that that's important. Uh, you know, Toby, the, the thing is, a lot of South African investors would be utilizing, you know, either South African platforms, where they have the opportunity to use an international platform. A lot of times, you're not necessarily going to find all of those exchanges permissioned on any particular platform. So I think that's very valuable insight that you've provided to us. But it, it also opens up another debate. And that is that A lot of these companies may be listed and operate in Europe or even operate globally. I mean, some of these are really world-class companies, but there are other angles and avenues for investors to access them. And those are, for example, if you're investing in the U.S. market, uh, ADRs or American Depository Receipts. Now, I want to just sound a word of caution out here is that a lot of times investors need to do their homework around ADRs because it's not as though an ADR gives you a like-for-like or a one-for-one exposure to an underlying stock. Sometimes there's a ratio that's applied. Some ADRs pay dividends, some don't pay dividends. So you really have to do your homework and your due diligence in terms of what your ADR is actually giving you access to, uh, but what's your view on investing in Nordic markets, European markets, uh, even if it's indirectly through a structure, through a, 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 an American depository receipt?
2: All right. So, Mo, that's a great question. I think you're absolutely right. you do have to do a little bit of due diligence when going into into uh, the ADR market uh, and for the exposure. But legally uh, speaking, then uh, the voting rights and the dividend rights and all that usually tend to go hand in hand. Uh, maybe it's it's a ratio, um, but you shouldn't have any risk in terms of, of not being exposed uh, uh, accordingly to, to to your plan, I would say. I mean, when you go to this through the C25 and the S30, you'll find that a lot of the bigger companies are listed as ADRs um, in the over-the-counter market. Then it might, for the individual investor become a question of taxation instead like how is an otc paper actually taxed uh, compared to an actual stock and then i would of course also have to highlight um, the the currency i mean usually you would buy uh, the s30 you would buy it in swedish crowns or you would buy the c25 in danish crowns and these are very stable uh, currencies tied up to the euro so if all of your portfolio is already in u.s dollars you might have uh, have to look at actually the real deal, uh, even though you would have to to find another broker maybe.
0: So, something that I've written a lot about, Toby, is is Tesla and they've just released results and, you know, the narrative on one side was really great and then actually once you start to split out regulatory credits and Bitcoin trading profits and stuff, it's not so pretty and I've been writing for a long time now that I think Volkswagen's a much more interesting play. Sure enough, year to date, it's, it's definitely been the better choice. Volkswagen. I think half the due diligence is just figuring out, you know, how to actually buy the thing because they seem to have as many listings as they do cars in their range. Uh, <laughs> you know a little bit about Volkswagen, I think, and it, it would be interesting to, firstly, you know, hear your views on 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 how should people internationally go about figuring this out because it's actually quite difficult. There are a lot of exchanges in in the European Union. Uh, you know how do you how do you go about Managing that that interesting infrastructure with all these different exchanges and, and numerous listings of the same company.
2: Absolutely, and I think Volkswagen might be the the, the best example of them all because they have, as I found, over twenty different uh, listings in a lot of different currencies and a lot of different countries. Um, and this might have something to do with the legal structure or the history of the company. I actually don't know, but I looked it up and I found. Um, To start things off, I found an OTC ADR uh, ticker code called VWAGY. And this is listed uh, in dollars, and the original paper uh, in Germany, which is like the genuine paper that you should be buying just to own the real share of Volkswagen, is called VOW, and it's listed in euros. So to make things a bit more complicated with Volkswagen, The majority shareholder of Volkswagen is uh, actually Porsche, which is a luxury car maker. Um, And Porsche is listed in Germany under the ticker code PAH3, and it's listed uh, on the US stock exchange as POAHY, which is uh, already now getting a bit complicated because the conclusion here is you shouldn't be buying any of these. You should actually be buying the preference shares they have no voting rights, but they are the main shares uh, in terms of volume of trading. And I think when we're talking to the ordinary investor or the private investor, you should always uh, try to look for the place with the, with the greatest volume, just in terms of liquidity. Um, and also these give uh, uh, reference to the dividends. And the ticker uh, in, the, in the U.S. is BWAPY, and then in Germany it's called BOW3. So you've, you had a lot, of, uh, a lot of tickers here, but, but to so, sort of uh, explain like, the question you, you started off by asking is that uh, in the Europe, uh, European markets, you tend to raise capital first, and then you go abroad with a listing on the NASDAQ uh, or an over-the-counter listing. And this is just to attract, attract a, a more international uh, shareholder crowd. Um, it makes it a lot easier to actually buy some of the stocks, and usually it's, it's not a problem legally, But I I do think that you should go for the original uh, listings so you don't uh, miss out on dividends. And uh, for a company like Volkswagen, and I I really think that this show needs a a Tesla killer because it seems you're not very interested in buying Tesla. Um, Then I think uh, the audience should be trying to find the preference shares. Um, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, look for the liquidity. That's, That's the key take out there. Look for where the volumes
2: are. Absolutely. That's my rule of thumb always. South
0: Africans struggle with this because we don't buy EVs. I don't know how much you know about our national power utility, but they struggle to keep the lights on sometimes, let alone you know, allow us to then charge our cars. But you are sitting in, in, in Denmark, which is an example of a country where EV adoption is huge, or at least that's what my understanding based on the stats. It's, I'm just curious, is Tesla the be-all and end-all among the existing EVs? Let's take the R&D out of it and just say the products that are on the market right now, on the ground, your experience of the consumer what is the view? You know, which EVs are, are people buying?
2: Honestly, Ghost, I haven't, I haven't seen any other car uh, other than Tesla's for weeks. Now, that's of course a lie. I mean, we see, we see uh, tons and tons of different uh, electrical vehicles, and you have, um, you have a lot of leasing uh, cars driving around in Copenhagen that that are smaller cars, uh, and you have the BMW just released their their new. Car and I've seen tons of those. Um, uh, so Tesla is, is one of the it's like the iPhone of uh, of electrical vehicles in Copenhagen and uh, it is very popular in Norway as well. But but no, not at all. I mean it it's it's not an end end all be it all solution at all. I think uh, the Danish uh, the car customer is absolutely going for a lot of different options from BMW to Volkswagen.
0: Yeah, you nearly gave me a heart attack there. I thought to myself, oh, "Geez, it's Denmark <laughs> full of Tesla, I'm getting this very wrong."
2: <laughs> yeah, but but I, but I think actually uh, Mo brought this up in, in the start that uh, if you're looking at just the electricity and you're looking at uh, maybe the transition and 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 some of the more uh, structural things behind the EV transformation, you could look at uh, at some of the utility uh, companies. And I just uh, took a, a random uh, walk in. Copenhagen the other day and I saw a lot of these charging stations and they all came from the same company called Eon Energy which is the biggest uh, Nordic and the biggest uh, German uh, energy uh, company so they're definitely uh, in the market of charging all these cars whether or not we decide to buy the Tesla or the BMW Um, and it's actually also a a company I just made some due diligence on and I think it looks very attractive uh, in terms of price so it's called Eon Energy uh, SE um listed in in euros
1: yeah I, I really like that i mean that that's really showing kind of the, the thinking we like to get across the line here on on magic markets uh, is that look at the look at the trends there are many ways to skin a cat uh and i like that whole play with regards to energy like i said there was a grid investment i'm definitely going to go and have a look at, at eon
2: in terms of the whole industry, because I'm not here to to, uh, to to hand out financial advice on, let's say, Volkswagen or who's going to be the next Tesla killer, but just to give some insight on the whole uh, vehicle industry in Germany, they are the, the kind of guys who produce and then they go out and sell. And if you go to the U.S. markets, they are the guys who are trying to sell first and then they go produce, right? So um, to to put things in perspective, you I don't know if you've heard about BMW and Daimler and their operation into the EV market. But currently, they're spending around 11 billion euros every year on research and development, and that's uh, only for Daimler. Um, and, and to put that into perspective, Copenhagen University have an annual budget of 1 billion uh, euro. So, so you have like tenfold universities of research and development just uh, in the company of Daimler right now going into research and development. And if you think that that's not going to give any uh, advantage in the future, I, I, I would say you're wrong. So so I would definitely look into uh, to the German car makers, uh, also because they trade at uh, such attractive multiples, simply because of that, actually.
1: You know, we, we've discussed a, a whole host of different industries, one that's very topical is the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, we've discussed it on the show many, many times. I, I love the pharma sector. It's, it's it's arguably from a macro perspective, given a global pandemic is a sector you've wanted good exposure to and you've made good money in some of those stocks. One of the stocks that hasn't done so well, or two, in fact, one is Pfizer, uh, but the other is a Swedish stock, which is AstraZeneca. Uh, and, you know, if you look at it, it's really gone sideways, which... which if you look at it in a pandemic year is almost, you know, counterintuitive. But it still pays a decent dividend yield of around almost three uh, percent. you could argue it's 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 fairly undervalued on, on a DCF type of a basis. Um, do you have a view on, on AstraZeneca as a stock? I know it's it's listed in Sweden as well as in London. It's a British Swedish company. What's your view on that particular stock and, and the
2: outlook? I mean, uh, specifically on AstraZeneca, I'm I, I'm I haven't looked into or done any any specific due diligence on the company, but I would say that uh, the vaccine market and, and the whole market post COVID nineteen seems to be uh, bought by a lot of investors thinking that they will make a lot of money uh, on these vaccines. And 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 one thing I know from actually working on a lot of these government contracts, looking into companies with a lot of uh, um, under undertakings uh, and government, long government contracts, is that usually they don't get the, the best prices. And I think one of the things that happened with AstraZeneca was that they were simply pressured a lot uh, on the price for their vaccine, which, which ultimately led to, uh, to lower earnings. So I think sometimes you, you should uh, look a bit away from the the headlines uh, with the vaccines uh, and not try to figure out if the price is going up on the stock because it, it doesn't seem like uh, they they are making a lot of a ton of money out of it. A, a, a little company, a Danish company called Bavarian Nordic, are now making uh, their tests uh, and their vaccine uh, is coming out, should be coming out in the next year or so. So for the whole uh, era of post COVID vaccination and all the, the third and, and fourth and fifth wave uh, uh, COVID, we're gonna need the uh, vaccination as well. So I think. Uh, Looking into some of those companies, maybe some of the Danish competitors uh, would be a smart thing to do.
0: I mean, Aspen's popped in South Africa now up quite strongly, but I mean, I agree with you, Toby. You know, we've got we've got a big pharma company in South Africa, Aspen, and they are going to manufacture the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, you know, right here at home. But the money is in the money belongs to the R and D big pharma. I think that they'll make a very small amount on each vaccine, and the market's gotten very excited about it. But my personal view, I wrote on Aspen. For investors monthly last month and management has guided seven percent growth this year so when the share price starts popping you know over ten percent you, you got to wonder what people are actually buying it's very interesting
2: every time you have big news about the vaccine or big news about market shift i think it's a, it's a fair question to ask whether or not one specific individual stock is actually going to benefit because if the customer is a state or a government you, you, you don't usually get the best prices. That's just, uh, that's just from, from experience.
1: I think, you know, one, one last point from me on the vaccine side, and maybe it goes back to our, our topic of the dichotomy between European stocks, U.S. stocks, for example. One, one of the biggest winners in the pharma space has been Moderna. You know, I, I've spoken about it. It's, it's really been, been a phenomenal investment. Uh, but that's also because they were using new technology arguably had some pricing power, one of the earlier movers. And maybe in time, that's also something where you need to look at the regulatory kind of architecture. You know, Europe is a lot more stable, maybe regulations are a lot more robust. Uh, In the US, maybe if there's a sector where regulations haven't caught up yet, it allows you some of that rapid growth early uh, early and upfront. And thereafter, you're at risk of regulation kind of toning down your returns over the longer term. Uh, In aggregate, and again, cognizant of time goes, you know, I think I certainly have seen that there's a lot of opportunity in the European space. I think on one of Toby's uh, Twitter threads, he highlighted a couple of stocks, and there were were two of them in there that were effectively in the salmon industry. We probably don't have time to go into that specifically, but it just shows you that there's kind of these micro niches that exist with good quality companies, uh, and sometimes you just need to be willing to think out of the box.
2: Absolutely. I agree with you, Mo, and, and we probably don't have time to go over all the different uh, areas of, of investing that are interesting in the Nordic area, but but I would definitely highlight the, the salmon sector. And also, I like... Um, companies with natural monopolies like airports or, as you mentioned, the healthcare industry with all the IP they have. And then I like, of course, some sustainable companies as well. And in, in Denmark and Sweden and Norway, we have a lot of solar power companies. We have a lot of energy companies. and We have a lot of wind uh, wind farming and wind companies as well. And, and it's definitely a place to look into because it's, it's a sustainable long-term trend. And also, I think when we look at the smaller markets like Sweden and Denmark and Norwegian, uh, markets, uh, I think we tend to forget that they're maybe uh, not so small after all when you look at the revenue because the revenue is actually a global revenue, so your risk is 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 uh, pretty diversified uh, from start. I would say,
0: Toby. Before you go, how do people follow you on Twitter? What is your Twitter handle?
2: Okay, so my Twitter handle is Toby the Investor, uh, and I'm always up for a chat. Anything if you have questions into the Nordics, uh, feel free to DM.
1: Thanks for joining us on the show and thanks to our listeners as well. You are what makes Magic Markets great. Remember to go out there, subscribe and give us a great rating.
0: Fantastic. I'm now going to ask you to finish the show by saying, thank you for listening to Magic Markets in Danish.
2: Thank you for to Danish. Amazing. <laughs> Toby, thank you for your time. <laughs> that sounded so weird, I guess. It, was, it
0: sounded great to
2: me. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, thanks. thanks a lot you guys for the chat.
0: There's a way to make money from crypto without actually believing in crypto. Bitcoin pricing differences offshore and in South Africa create an arbitrage opportunity. This episode is brought to you by Future Forex, specialists in helping South Africans take advantage of that arbitrage and introduce alpha trading profits into their portfolios. Visit futureforex.co.za and listen to episode 21 of Magic Markets, where we interviewed the founders to find out more. As ever, do your own research and come to your own conclusion. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.